it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Off the Post. As usual, your host, John Mattis. And today it is special trade deadline recap edition. Uh, I'm with my really a fairly regular co-host at this point, Michael Trakos, my colleague at Post Media. He is a national hockey writer for us. We we do a recap here, and uh, we're we're a little low on fuel, a, a little too caffeinated. So uh, the end result, perfectly fine. But uh, we go off in various different directions uh, in this episode. So uh, fair warning on that right now. But uh, hope you enjoy. And uh, it was an eventful day. Uh, a lot of uh, impact players uh, are changing cities, are, are going to put on new jerseys. And uh, overall, the last week... Uh, a fair amount of news coming out of the the trade market. So, uh, yeah, buckle up and uh, here's episode 81 of Off the Post. From the center of the hockey universe, this is the Off the Post podcast. Here with Michael Trakos, my colleague at Post Media. He's a national hockey writer for us. And uh, we've spent about 12 hours together. He's probably sick of me, but I'm forcing him <laughs> to come on this podcast to uh, wrap up the trade deadline. A pretty eventful day, I'll say. Uh, maybe higher quality than usual, but the quantity wasn't necessarily there, which is fine by me. Um, but at the end of the day, about the same amount of bodies and trades were made as last year. Mike, what off the top, I mean, what stands out as, as the number one takeaway? Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think uh, the number one takeaway was just the quantity, or sorry, the quality of the players that went. Like when you and just what Tampa Bay was able to do. Um, it seemed like the contenders really kind of separated themselves from maybe that the, the pretenders really. Um, so if you were a Stanley Cup contender like Tampa Bay, getting Ryan McDonough and J.T. Miller uh, for what they gave up um, was a huge, huge get. Uh, I think that sets Tampa Bay up, not just for this year, but for the year after. And that's what really kind of stood out. Just a, that kind of trade, the Rick Nash to Boston trade, the Broussard to Pittsburgh trade, um, even San Jose getting Evander Kane. Like, it seemed like the teams that did make a move, they made sense. And I think that they measurably got better. Yeah, the thing about this trade deadline is that the weekend was busy, and then today got busy towards the end. There was a lot. We're obviously recording this Monday uh, evening. So from about, we both arrived here fairly early. I was here at 8. Nothing really happened of any major consequence till about noon. And then the, the trades started flooding in. Um, let's talk about the blockbuster a bit um, off the top here. So just to break it down. So Vlad Nemesnikov, 
Libor Hijek, Brett Howden, a first rounder in 2018, a first rounder in 2019, with a condition that if uh, Tampa Bay wins the cup in either 2018 or 2019, um, New York gets that first rounder. If they don't, it's a second rounder. Um, so all those pieces were going to New York, to the New York Rangers, who waved their white flag a couple weeks ago and, and delivered by getting rid of a lot of pieces. Um, and then the Lightning, uh, I would say easily the favorite to win the cup right now. Um, they get Ryan McDonough and they get JT Miller. Um, I <laughs> you, like it's like the rich, still spinning, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, the rich get richer, right? Yeah. You look at that Tampa Blue line, and now it's not just Hedman and Strollman, you know, arguably one of the better pairs in the entire league, but their, their second pair could easily be a first pair on most teams. And I'm just assuming this is how it's going to work out. But if it's Sergachev and McDonough, I mean, that's uh, that's some pretty good company to have on, in your three, or four Sergachev spot. Sergachev and Girardi, like you, you can actually protect Sergachev. Or sorry, no, if it's McDonough and Girardi, yeah. I don't know if they have any history playing together. Oh yeah, they York. played together in New York for so, a long time, and that's a lefty-righty matchup um, where maybe makes a little bit more sense. And that way, you can kind of protect Sergachev, have him on your second power play unit, um, throw him up in the second pair if you have to. But I think it gives a, a coach like John Cooper a little bit more. Um, I don't know. Maybe he sleeps a little better. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I remember when Toronto played Tampa last, he was going out of his way to make sure that a guy like Victor Hedman was always on the ice or he was splitting Hedman and Strawman up because he didn't have any confidence in his other pairs. And Toronto was really eating them up alive when Hedman wasn't on the ice. So you know that had to play into the, fa- uh, the fact that they really went out and got a defenseman in McDonough. And, you know, it's the thing I like about this move, John, it's not just that they got a really good defenseman for this year's playoffs. This guy signed for the year after as well, and he signed at a really good contract. Um, so you really have two cracks at the Stanley Cup. And a guy like JT Miller, um, I believe he is a restricted free agent. So you have the option of maybe flipping him next year uh, to a team that's saying, hey, this guy's still young, still a lot of upside. Um, but you can also re-sign him, and he's under your control. And in regards to... Really, I saw the trade as Nemistikov for Miller and then McDonough for all those picks yep, and prospects. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think JT Miller might be a better fit for Tampa. Two-way forward, come playoff time, I think that's maybe a little bit more valuable than another striker uh, where you don't need that scoring. Like It's hard to say like you would say no to Nemistikov's goals and points, but when you've got Stamkos, when you've got Kucherov, when you've got Yanni Gord, when you've got Braden Point, like, this team is not hurting for offense. No. So maybe a guy that is... More versatile, can move up and down the line. Yeah, a kind more. of like a Ryan Callahan, younger version of right. him. Um, maybe that's a little bit more of a, of a quantity uh, right now for that team. Also, they didn't give up Tyler Johnson. They didn't give up any of their real, like, prime assets. Like, Braden Point, I mean, I didn't think they were ever going to move him. But Sergachev didn't have to be moved. Like... Somehow Tampa has this embarrassment of riches at all levels in terms of actual guys that are on the roster contributing, young guys coming through the pipeline, and then they have picks that they can throw out there too. Uh, Steve Eiserman has just gamed the system at this point by winning pretty much every trade. Uh, he's, he's very patient, uh, very meticulous, and he shows it again. I, I mean, you never know what's going to happen to Brett Howden. He seems like he's going to become a, a pretty good NHLer. Um 
and 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 he check apparently it projects to be a five six defenseman so i mean you're losing a bit there but nemesnikov and, and miller kind of uh cancel each other out and to get mcdonough you gotta you gotta pay up right a couple picks a couple prospects and they still have boris kachuk they still have taylor radish they still have connor ingram Calfoot, like all these guys were part of Team Canada. Yeah. Um, and this year's, well, Ingram, I guess it was the year before, but they, they still have a lot of top end prospects. And they probably didn't give out, give up their best prospect in Howden or in Hychek. Uh, uh, when you consider how high teams were on a guy like Kachuk, who I think if he's not in the top three, he's close to it in terms of OHL scoring. Um, Radish was another guy that uh, a lot of teams were high on. So I thought it was going to have to. Uh, take either a guy like Calfoot, Kachuk, or Radish to get one of these deals done, and you know, like you said, it's an embarrassment of riches. They still have very much a, a huge uh, prospect pool. The other side of the coin with the Rangers, they've done some tidy work the last couple of weeks. They now have ten picks in this summer's draft, and three are in the first round, two are in the second, and two are in the third. So you lo- you're looking at seven picks in the first. What is it now? Ninety three. Um, which, I mean, they came out and said that they were going to sell off, and they did to an extent. I mean, they still have some pretty good players. They still have Matt Zuccarello. They still have Mika Zabinajad. Jimmy uh, Bessie. Yeah, they're getting Nemesnikov. So there's still there's still pieces there. But then again, they got rid of Rick Nash, Michael Grabner, and Nick Holden. So I think that they're on the right track. Uh, Pay you attention, know. Ottawa. This is how you strip things down. Yeah, it's and and it's one thing, right, to say to come out and say something, but it's another to actually oh, follow right. through. And and it looks like they're on that on that trajectory. And yeah, I mean, well, they this, have to make they can't screw it up with the draft, right? So they got no. the three picks. They can't do what Boston did a couple years ago and really kind of just end up with one of the guys and pass on a Barzell and a yeah. Besser. Like they have to make. Uh, quantity or quality picks here and you know a lot of it's also going to depend on Lias Anderson who they grabbed the last year's draft and uh Philip Scheitel or Cheetel yep. or how are you I think it's Scheitel Cheetel 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 <laughs> I, I heard the CH is not uh, pronounced it's like Heetel Heetel I don't know That's Philip Heetel yeah but yeah him and him and Anderson seem to be their top prospects and yeah maybe you can kind of I don't know hurry along the rebuild with just by kind of throwing more darts at the board like you're still going to have Henrik Lundqvist and if they can kind of really make, like I said, you know, if they end up in the top three of this year's draft, they get a quality player there that jumps into the lineup. Um, Heatel and Landerson are in the lineup this year. Maybe they're only a couple years away from really kind of turning this thing around, oh, especially yeah. when you've got, if Hank is able to stay healthy and play at the level he's played. Like, don't be surprised if the Rangers really kind of go in the tank for a couple years and they're back. Yeah, it'd be an interesting, it'll be an interesting experiment because. Uh, having their their goalie a veteran, but obviously someone who's still very dependable as their backbone, does that keep them mm, a little too afloat, a little a little uh, higher up in the standings than, than than they like to? But that's 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 what they've decided to do. So okay, so there's a blockbuster. We've talked about that. I want to talk about the winners and losers of of the deadline day, and I guess the few days leading up to it. But because let's face it, it's it's sort of like a deadline week. Um, and then we'll we'll touch on some of the Canadian teams that maybe we haven't mentioned uh, by the end of that. But first, uh, the other big deal of the day, uh, Evander Kane going to San Jose. He was on the market for it feels like ever. Um, and Buffalo, let, let's face it, didn't get a ton back. They get they get a conditional first. Danny O'Regan, who's a 24-year-old AHLer, 
who, I mean, you don't want to crap on the guy, but you assume that he's not going to turn into anything too special. Um, but maybe their hands were tied. It, from what I'm reading on, on Twitter, it sounds like there weren't too many offers out there that at the end of the day, they got something for Vander Kane, which you know Detroit can't say about Mike Green, who who is still on their roster. Yeah, I'll be honest. I was surprised. Not surprised, but I was kind of, uh, I don't know, accepting the fact that he might not get traded today. Um, him and Thomas Vanek. I, I just I was wondering what the market was going to be for either guy, and it's they're different players, obviously. But yeah, Kane comes with that kind of I don't know, like it or not, he comes with a reputation, and you know probably very few teams were in on him, and because of that, a team like San Jose uh, was able to get him on the cheap. Like when you figure if they don't re-sign him, all it cost them was a second rounder. Um, and basically a middling prospect that was right, drafted co- like six years ago. Yeah, the condition is that if they re-sign him, it becomes a first-rounder. If they don't, it's a second. So let's just assume they don't re-sign him because it's very possible. It's very possible that he's just a rental player. That's really, not. That's nothing. They basically gave up like nothing. It. And when you think about that room, like very, like, it's very veteran-laden. They've got Joe Thornton. They've got Brent Burns, Couture, um, Pavelski. There's a lot of guys there that aren't going to put up with nonsense and you know what they're getting a Patrick Kane or sorry Devander Kane that's going to be very motivated UFA at the end of this year oh yeah absolutely um he wants to show not just San Jose but he wants to show the whole hockey world that he can be a really good player that he's not going to cause waves um that all that stuff in the past is in the past and it's probably blown out of proportion so you know what <laughs> this is a, a no risk um addition by the San Jose Sharks and it's just unfortunate that Buffalo really wasn't able to kind of uh, recoup on anything. Like, you almost think, why didn't they just try to re-sign this guy? Because what do they have next year, aside from uh, Jack Eichel and a bunch of young guys that probably aren't really ready to make an impact? I mean, Ryan O'Reilly, they have a couple pieces, but yes, I, I see where you're coming from. And I wonder if through the last few months, and it's probably going on four or five months that he's been in the rumor mill, you wonder if over that that stretch, you know, things leak and, you know, they're looking for a prospect, a first rounder and a roster player. It seems like a lot, but everyone's going, oh, but, you know, it's a Vander Kane. I'm sure he'll get um, he'll get traded for a decent package. And then it sort of gets watered down, watered down, watered down. And then by the time it's the deadline day, the San, San Jose had the power, right? If totally. they're the only ones that are in the conversation and Buffalo needs to get rid of them. I mean, they have they have the leverage. So. I wonder if, if uh, Buffalo showed their hand a little too much in the beginning. And, I mean, this is all sort of uh, speculation or or yeah. just kind of kind of going off rumors. But it, it really does seem like they, they didn't get full value for a guy who, although he struggled in the last couple of months, was on pace for, I believe, uh, 30, 40 goals at one point. And he'll probably still get uh, 25 to, to 28 or something like that. And would you be shocked if Evander Kane all of a sudden just tears it up in San Jose, gets no, re-signed, not. and is all of a sudden you're going, wow, is this another Braden Shen? Because yeah. was he drafted, I think, one spot after Shen, uh, two, really one spot, I think, before Nazem Kadri, who another guy who probably had like some issues surrounding him uh, a few years back when the Leafs were even thinking of moving him. So 26 years old, I'm not really ready to close the book on a guy like Kane. And if anything... First few months of the season showed that this guy can be valuable when put in the right spot and when he is motivated. So, I don't know. Count me in on one of those guys that's really hoping that this becomes really the... It could be the the, the steal of the trade deadline. Yeah, and the thing with guys like Kane where he throws a ton of pucks on net is eventually you're going to get the bounces going your way. There's going to be stretches where 
you know, clearly you just throwing everything on net mm-hmm. isn't going to work out. But, I mean, if you're putting up 250 shots over the course of a year, uh, and he does have a decent release, you would think that, that the, the goals start piling up. And you see it with Brent Burns. He started off the season um, doing his usual thing where he fires shots from everywhere, and they weren't going in for, for a long time, and then now they are. So uh, they definitely pull the, uh, the uh, I guess, the quantity card or just throw, <laughs> just throwing yeah. everything on net, and I, maybe maybe two of them together uh, equals more goals. I don't know. Um, but I would rather have a guy that's shooting than maybe a little too patient, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, and, and I would put Santa, like, someone was asking for Dark Horse picks last night on uh, Twitter, and... I was saying, you know, San Jose, this is before the Kane edition. I said, San Jose is my dark horse pick from the West and from the East. I was like, oh, does Washington count as one? Does Toronto count as one? Um, but it's kind of funny. Like, you kind of figure Nashville, Vegas, Winnipeg, those are, like, the contending threats for a Stanley Cup. And then after that, like, where does Dallas fit in who didn't do anything today? Where does San Jose fit in right now? Uh, I'd be scared to play San Jose in the playoffs. They are a very dangerous team, especially it looks like Martin Jones has got his game back. Yeah, let's talk about uh, some winners. Uh, who's who's top on your list or, or who comes to mind when I say winners at the trade deadline? I like Winnipeg. I don't know if we're going to talk more about the Canadian teams. No, uh, let's, let's go with Winnipeg. But, you know, this is a team where I think a lot of us were thinking, okay, is Kevin Sheveldayoff going to stand pat yet again? <laughs> and really, he never had a reason to go all in in previous trade right, deadlines. Right. But this is the year where he not only made a big-time splash, but he provided the shocker of the, the trade deadline. Like, let's be honest, who thought the St. Louis Blues were going to be in selling mode and that they were going to trade what was he, either top or second-line center in Paul Stastny. So good on the Jets for getting Stastny. Maybe it wasn't a move that they necessarily had to make because they have a pretty dangerous forward group. But remember, like last time they were in the playoffs, they got swept in four straight games, um, obviously, if it's a sweep. But um, uh, this is a team that really doesn't have a whole lot of experience. Like you've got Buffalo who's won a cup, and a few other guys that have playoff experience, but... Really, it's still kind of a young, green, inexperienced team. And to get a guy like Stastny, who's a little older, can play up and down your lineup, it might be a smart, savvy move. Well, is that not what the deadline's for? Is adding sort of an extra layer to your attack, right? So they didn't go out of their way to to chase the the big fish, but they sort of sneakily uh, acquired him um, for conditional first. Uh, or sorry for yeah conditional first conditional fourth Eric Foley a twenty year old uh, college player and the condition is hilarious by the way yeah it's if they <laughs> it's lottery protected that first yeah like give me a break all right <laughs> <laughs> that's clearly like not gonna 10 happen points uh, like up on a playoff spot they, they are one of the most dangerous teams Even let's, th- let's put on a little protection there. yeah I, I feel like a, that is a shovel day off move right down to it I feel like you could. Like they're not going to be in the lottery probably for a few years. Like I feel like that's one of the more unnecessary clauses that I've heard in a while. Yeah, I guess the Toronto thing really scared everyone away when they get a Kessel and yeah. they ended up missing the playoffs. But I love this deal. You know what? I'm really high on Winnipeg. I thought Connor Hellebuck is having a great year. Um, there really isn't any holes like on this team. Like barring a huge injury, and even so, like when they lose Mark Shifley, the team is still winning. Uh, Blake Wheeler is putting together a Hart Trophy-worthy uh, season for them. Uh, they've got scoring up and down the wings. Even Kyle Connor's got 22 goals. Uh, Jack Roslevic is being worked into the lineup. So kind of similar to Toronto, where they have a lot of offensive options and they have a lot of young guys that 
seem to be getting better week by week. Um, and it makes it all work financially, right? If you have young guys, like you could yeah. start adding the Paul Stastny's of the world, right? That's true. No, I, I like this move a lot. I, I think Winnipeg definitely up there with um, Nashville uh, as my maybe top two contending teams in the West. Well, let's talk about Nashville because I consider them a winner, even though all they do is pick up technically all they did was pick up Ryan Hartman, but they also signed Mike Fisher, which was right, which was rumored for a while or, or reported for a while. Um, and also, Eli Tolvanen is supposed to be coming over at some point. So they add three Are forwards. Be the best player not in the NHL right now. Yeah, and they so they add three forwards who. I'm not going to go as far to say that Mike Fisher and Ryan Hartman are going to be impact forwards or even Tolvin. And let's like let's see how he does that on the NHL stage. But, it's but layers, like you said, exactly. So instead of their bottom six or middle six um, being X, Y, and Z, now you have Ryan Hartman, Mike Fisher, and Eli Tolvin and taking up uh, a couple spots there. So I liked what they did without really doing much. I mean, the Hartman one came down today, and I thought it was a, a shrewd move. Um, so and he's so, not a rental player. Let's no. put that out there. Like they gave up a first round and, pick. And for he's Hartman. young. And he's young. Yeah, he's twenty three years old. He's a restricted free agent, so you've got him under control. Um, and this is a guy that's having a down year, but last year um, had nineteen goals, thirty one points, uh, basically as a rookie. Um, so you know what? Uh, put him in a third line role um, in Nashville, and this is a perfect signing uh, or perfect trade because you're not just getting a rental. Yeah, I mean it was a. It's been a good week for for the contenders. Like in my mind, the way I'm looking at the way the standings are shaking out and just the quality of the teams, I've got Nashville, Winnipeg, uh, Vegas in the West, and then Tampa, Boston, and s- sort of what you alluded to before, where Washington and uh, and Toronto are are also in the mix. Oh, Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh, yes, Pittsburgh as well. Um, it. it I feel like Pittsburgh also deserves to be on the winners board because of the Brassard deal. I know oh, that wasn't sure. today, yeah. but that that was really the only major development. But it was it was. I it feel was like major development. Yeah, I, well, I just feel like it. We'll be talking about it in two months. Going, I you know I can't believe they pulled off that Brassard trade because now he's, um, you know he's the third he's a third line center on a team that already has Crosby and Malkin. Um, the center depth is. I'm not gonna say historically good, but I mean, like in this era, I don't know if you're gonna find a team that has not only two generational players down the middle, but also on the third line, Broussard, who could play second, first line center on, a, depending on the the team and the depth that that they have at center, and then you have Phil Kessel probably on his wing. You just you, you add it Kessel all up on a third line. who has got 70 points this year with Broussard, who's all he does is make passes to the wing. Exactly. Oh, it's it's really you can argue that Pittsburgh has a better third line than a couple years ago when they had that HBK line that yeah. was just tearing uh, things up and you know in the playoffs and Mike Babcock was talking about this after the Boston game he said against Boston your first line cancels out because they're matching up against you your second line cancels out because you're matching up against their line mm-hmm. trying to shut it down and really it's the third and fourth line that you're kind of like saying okay this is this could be the difference in the game well now you're Pittsburgh and you've got Kessel Brassard and um, who do they have on that? Th- it doesn't even matter who the third element of whether it's a Carter Rowney or a Connor Sheary or whatever, or Jake Gensel. Like, <laughs> that is a pretty dangerous yep. third line. And I think that's why I like Toronto's kind of chances um, in the playoffs and that they, they can be sneaky good as well because they also have a third line that is equally as dangerous as their first or second line. So um, depth, 
that does matter when you get to the playoffs, and it all becomes about matchups and shutting guys down, and really it's game planning, game after game. So um, that, that's that's a huge addition. And same thing with Rick Nash uh, going to Boston. Where really Boston this year has been a one line team. They've been getting by with just really Bergeron, Pasternak, and Marchand doing all the damage. So now you got Rick Nash playing with Krejci. That's a pretty good addition as well. Um, I I don't know. No, no one no one made any bad moves, John. Like no, there were the some bad moves. You think so? Who who made the worst move? Where they actually kind of went for something and they just kind of like going, oh, they they got that guy. They paid that much for him. I'm more so confused by uh, Thomas Tatar's. The package that went the other way, a first, a second, and a third for him. Yeah. And I'm assuming that Vegas sees something in him that we don't see. At everything to this date that they've done, I've I've generally <laughs> found to be pretty even pretty smart. Re- even the Ryan Reeves one. Okay, maybe not. But it, it just seems a little odd. Like I get it. They're they're acquiring a player that they can plug into their lineup till 2020-21. It's an investment. A lot too. He's like five and change. Is he not? Yes, five and five point two or something like that. Um, five point three. Five point three, and like I get it, I get it to an extent, and I get that they have a lot of draft picks, but they also don't have many prospects. So it seems like an odd uh, hill to die on, if you want to call it that. Um, I guess the silver lining is that the first round pick that they sent is in two thousand eighteen, the second round pick is in two thousand nineteen, and then the third round pick is two thousand twenty one. So it's kind of all spread out, and I'm sure they can um, reacquire I don't, I don't picks. Mind it. I don't mind it. You know why I don't mind it? Because they've got they had three first round picks in last year's draft. Um, and it was Cody Glass, Nick Suzuki, and uh, Eric Brandstrom. Uh, all three guys, by all accounts, uh, are looking like they're top end prospects. And you get a guy that is having a real down year in Detroit, but like find a guy who's having a good year in Detroit. So Fair. Um, he scored basically twenty plus goals in the last uh, in each of the last three seasons. Only twenty seven. You've got him under control. Only thing I don't like is the contract. I don't think he's worth 5.3. If it was in the four um, in that area, then I'd like it a little bit more. But you know what? This is still... Put him on I, Vegas and you never know what's going to happen, yeah, apparently. You're, Look you're at that gonna team. you lose James Neal, possibly, um, after yeah, this year. Yeah. So maybe Thomas Tatar becomes the next James Neal in that uh, lineup. Okay. I don't know. No, I agree with you. It is a strange. No, thing. like I, I'm not saying I hate it. I'm just it's sort of like a wait and see. And I, when you look around the league and the trades that were made today, that one stood out as whoa, easy on the on the three picks. Uh, <laughs> but um, I like that Vegas is still kind of going for it. Like, yeah, I thought maybe they'd stand pat and go. You know what? We're happy with the Cinderella run. We're just gonna let it ride out. But they've added some guys like Ryan Reeves. That one kind of struck me as a little. Yeah, odd. I don't really then, see what he brings to the table, but grit <laughs> goddamn grit i don't know what did you think of uh what new jersey did because they pick up michael grabner that's Light- what i didn't like lightning quick uh patrick maroon uh big bodied finisher and then out the door uh, a second rounder a third rounder and two prospects i didn't like um, it you didn't like it eh? <laughs> like so there you go there's there's your well, one deal you didn't a, like what are they they're a wild card team john they're and at, they're rebuilding i think i think they when you look at their forward group before these deals, they needed some more wing help, and they're already a fast team. I say, why not add Michael Gravner, one of the fastest guys in the league? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think they needed to do it. I think they're almost like in a Calgary kind of position where you're going, make the playoffs, that's good. If you don't, yeah, whatever. Um, like, what, what is this going to do? Is it going to push them over the edge? Gonna be, no, no. They're going to probably face Washington or Tampa in the first round. 
Like the yeah, they'll be a wild card team probably. Yeah, so I don't know. And just from the stage of the development, like you've got Nico Hishire there as a rookie. You've got a lot of young guys that are still learning. You're still very much in the early stages of your development. Um, did they didn't really, sell the farm, though. I'll, I'll give them that. Yeah, but picking up, like you just made the argument that Vegas shouldn't have given up prospects. So I would make the argument that New Jersey is not in a position to give up prospects either. What do you think of Columbus? Uh, so they pick up Latestu, Vanek, and Cole, which essentially is a, a power play specialist in Vanek, a guy who's going to be sheltered and, and get only, I don't know, 10 to 15 minutes and a third of that on the power play. Uh, Latestu in your bottom six somewhere probably, maybe middle six. And then uh, Ian Cole, uh, bottom pairing defenseman. Uh, I mean, the biggest win might have been that they didn't cave with Jack Johnson and right. kept him. Yeah, that's he requested that's a trade a while ago, and they decided, you know, we didn't get anything good enough. Sorry, Jack. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> that's essentially what sorry, happened. Sorry, pal. <laughs> no, I don't know. Like none of the trades, they didn't give up anything. Like what a fourth round pick for Latest. Uh, was it a fourth round pick for Latestu that they gave up? I think so. Yeah, they didn't give up anything. I think higher than a second, or maybe just a third and a fourth. So. Yeah, it is what it is. I think that's kind of the moves that I expected uh, New Jersey to kind of make, where you're going, all right, Columbus is either going to be facing Washington or Tampa. I think right now it figures to be Tampa. Um, so why would you go all in? Why would you go that hard? Um, all you did was just kind of beef up uh, a team. But yeah, Thomas Vanek, oh, God. I-, I was worried that he wasn't going to get traded at all. Um, and I was kind of shocked that... Um, he didn't He's like the perfect rental player, though, because you can is he? you can hide him in your lineup. He can play whenever you like. It, he seems kind of low maintenance and, and still brings value because uh, of his power play prowess. I mean. He's there's a there's uh, there's always these players right Mark Marco Arcabello and right. these random guys who bounce around the league so much. There's a reason why there's there's some sort of value in there that you can squeeze out, and I think that's what Columbus is trying to do here is just get that that final push from him. And Torts couldn't stand Yusi Jokinen like it wasn't playing. Up. Right, he he didn't do anything for them. I think he was a healthy scratch most of the season. So when you gave up a guy you're not playing, and I don't know what Tyler Mott is. Uh, probably nothing. So, yeah, I'm kind of. I was surprised that Vancouver traded or that anyone was interested in Vanek, but I'm not surprised that Vancouver didn't get anything for him because let's look at his past history. Has he ever helped the team at the deadline in Vanek? No. So, yeah, this is basically what you're getting for him. And, yeah, Vancouver, I think, kind of. I don't want to say they, they blew it because they didn't have much to give up, but like. They didn't um, trade Edler. I think he was the only other yeah, real hurt. Yeah. You're not going to trade him. He, just, he wasn't even a rental. They signed Good Branson, and then they've already moved on in the sense that they're not even going to contemplate moving to Sedine. So, yeah, I don't know. When you look at how New York's going about the rebuild, and you see what Montreal didn't do, what Ottawa really didn't do, and what Vancouver didn't do, it. It's kind of disappointing uh, the fact that one team was able to kind of really pull that bandaid off, and the other ones are really kind of um, not really going full in on this rebuild. All right, let's talk about some losers. I know we probably mixed in a few there. I feel like me and you were a little over caffeinated at this point, and we're just going all over the place. But do you have any losers that that really stick out? I mean, I know there's one obvious one. Who's the obvious one? Buffalo. I was going. Well, I was going to say Ottawa. Uh, okay. Yeah, well, Ottawa. I'm they got okay return on on what they did, but I don't know if they got rid of everything they wanted to. 
No, Mike Hoffman's still there. Zach Smith is still there. And obviously, um, big elephant in the room there. Uh, Eric Carlson is still there. And I, I would put Eric Carlson as uh, the big loser here. Um, he had a chance, based on rumors and speculation, to go to a team like Tampa Bay or uh, I heard Vegas. I heard San Jose. Ultimately, he's got to finish the season with Ottawa. Get the same questions day in, day out. Uh, wonder what his future is going to look like. And it's going to be painful, like last six weeks. Um, and same thing, I would put Max, Max Pacioretty in that same category where um, it was unlikely like that both guys were going to get traded just because both deals are they're probably going to be complicated, right? Let's face it. And, well, and Ottawa uh, reportedly throwing in Bobby Ryan into oh, every proposal. That, that complicates it, obviously. What they were talking about, like, it's going to be a four-team trade? Like, give me a break. Like, those deals are most likely done at the at the at the draft, where you can involve all thirty teams. Um, you can involve roster players, which that wasn't going to happen. Now you're not going to take Braden Point off the Tampa Bay Lightning to uh, trade for Eric Carlson. Maybe you do that in the summer, though, uh, when you're going okay. Um, you can sign other players as UFA. So um, yeah, it, it's just it, it's unfortunate because the writing's on the wall. Both teams seem to be moving away from Carlson and Pacioretty, respectively, and yet they're going to have to go through the same kind of um, really really season from hell uh, for the next six weeks. Yeah. <laughs> to be a fly on the wall the next time uh, Eugene Melnick and Eric Carlson happen to pass by each other or, oh God. or to, to read their text messages or however they communicate, um, that's obviously a, f- a fractured relationship that... You know what? Stranger things have happened. Maybe they do mend fences, and somehow they figure out a way to pay him what he wants and build a team around him. A guy like if they honestly, if they get Rasmus Dahlin in in the draft, does that not change the course of the franchise? I mean, that's highly unlikely considering, you know, you need the, the ping pong balls to bounce your way. But Good that's habit, probably yeah. uh, best case scenario. What do you think of the Blues there, John? Like you're talking about the Rangers deciding, hey, we're rebuilding. Let's go. For, let, let's Let's go through this painful process. The Blues are a bubble team, one point out of the playoffs, and yet they trade uh, Paul Stastny. And you hear the comments coming from Braden Shen. He's like, it's crazy. He feels like basically the team just gave up on him. Like management said to the players, like, it's not happening. We're taking guys away versus adding or just even standing bad. And did you, you think they made the right move because this is a team that's been kind of riddled with injuries, and yet, I don't know, a lot of people still think that um, – they could have been one of those dark horse sleeper teams. Well, did we not hear for a while that guys like Jordan Cairo were available and that they were going to use their, their their prospects? They have they have a decent stock um, to actually be a buyer. And then Stastny's out the door, and like you said, Shen talks to the media after and goes, "I didn't know this was going to happen," and and it's kind of confusing. And I've never really gotten a good handle on St. Louis in general in terms of. I don't know how many there haven't been many times over the years of over let's say since the lockout that they've been like fully in they've they've always been there in some regard like a couple hundred point seasons but have they ever really been the team no and I don't know if this was the year I don't think it was but it's a little strange to not at least attempt to to hang out with the big boys because like that that Shen line with with Tarasenko they were Arguably one of the the better lines in the league all all season and, and until recently, but uh, there's something about the Blues that that sort of they lost six in a row, right? Yeah, I don't know if it's a recency bias thing, and they're just going, eh, 
I don't I don't see it happening. And then someone slides in with 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 a Stastny proposal, and they start thinking, okay, maybe we can do this. Yeah, when they got Jaden Schwartz uh, Schwartz back, I thought, okay, this is this is basically the team that we saw at the beginning of the year, and yet, yeah, something was missing there, and. You know what? I don't know. I, I thought maybe they'd trade Robbie Fabry, uh, use that as a piece, because if you got Jordan Kyrou coming up, maybe with Fabry's injury history, you go, you know what, let's just move on from this, give him a fresh start. Um, things are obviously, there's a black cloud kind of hanging right. over him injury-wise. Um, but yeah, the, I don't know. I, I would have loved to have been in that kind of discussion in that war room where they said, all right, because a week ago they were saying, we're going to make a hockey trade, we're, we're actually going to be busy. And I had predicted that they were going to be one of the more active teams at the deadline. They were active, yeah. but they were selling <laughs> in the line. opposite way. So uh, I was really shocked. And, you know, that, that's that's a tough uh, division, that central uh, division, uh, whether it's Chicago um, always kind of leading the pack and now it's Nashville and then you got Winnipeg. It, it, you don't get any wins that are easy um, in that division. So uh, maybe this is the best thing for the Blues they to kind just... of recoup a first-round pick and kind of still build. Do they see the writing on the wall? Maybe with the Central, you got to get through Nashville or you got to get through um, Winnipeg. I mean, sometimes you just got to kind of bite the bullet and go. We're not going to blow this thing up, but this just is not our year. And you wonder if that played into. I'm not saying Toronto gave up or anything, or 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 doesn't think that they can do big things this season. But I wonder if they're a little hesitant to to get involved today, specifically because they saw how well Tampa's playing, how well Boston's playing, the rosters that they have on paper. Um, and they went, you know what? Uh, I think we're good with Thomas Poklanik and we're not going to do anything knee-jerk here because um, that that probably would, would just spell disaster. Yeah, Toronto's a different case because, like, like, what do they need, really? They needed a fourth-line center that could play up and down the lineup, and they got him in Absolutely. Yeah. They needed a right-shot defenseman. And there really wasn't anyone out there aside from Mike Green. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe Mike Green and Mike Babcock's way of coaching just don't mesh. Like, maybe he's a little bit too high risk. Maybe it's the equivalent of getting a Kevin Shattenkirk where you're going, okay, well, we get him for the power play. Aside from that, what else do we have? And you don't want to play a Travis Dermott with Mike Green because then it's like two offensive type players, um, especially when you've got a young guy in Dermott. Maybe you want a little bit more experience. But you know, if Jack Johnson, or sorry, if uh, Ryan McDonough was on the right side, maybe that yeah. changes the conversation. Although, for what New York got for him, I don't know if Lou would have been comfortable in giving up that much of a bounty, especially when you're talking about a young rebuilding team. That being said, I like the Leafs still. I, I think that they could be one of those dark horse teams, um, just one of those teams that can make some noise. Like, if they get through Boston, uh, who looks like they're going to play in the first round, I know Tampa's going to be a juggernaut, but, geez, well, where are the holes in the Leafs lineup? Like, the way Frederick Anderson is playing in net, um, they've got three lines that can do damage. They've got a really good top four defense. I know it's not on par with what Tampa has, but it's still a pretty deadly team, and they're so young and maybe cocksure that maybe they could kind of surprise some teams. Well, and clearly, they they think highly enough of their team to not even it, it sounded like not even discuss JVR or discuss Bozak in, in any sort of selling way. So maybe they just looked at the climate, looked at what was going on on the trade market, and went, "Plakanic is perfectly fine, and we're gonna close up shop." And because that's really that's really all they did. And I think it's been praised almost across the board that the Plakanic the the trade 
I'm getting to the point of the day where the words aren't coming out right. I'm Tommy P. <laughs> Tommy P with that uh, turtleneck and whatnot. Um, I thought it was a pretty good addition. Uh, if he can replace Dominic Moore on that that fourth line, we, you know, we were talking about uh, center depth uh, across the league with Pittsburgh, and you could bring up Nashville as well and, and other teams. Um, Toronto's definitely in the conversation uh, you know, with the Winnipegs too. Um, just having... You know, every time you go to the draw, there's going to be someone there that's that's not a pushover. No, it's interesting. Like, going into this trade deadline, I had no idea what Toronto was going to be doing. They were one of those teams that was really in my wild cards. Um, wild card picks. I was like, okay, they get Placanic. So does that mean they're going to trade Tyler Bozak? Um, could they possibly move James Van Riemsdyk? And we were talking about this even during the day. I even threw that question to you. I said, would you trade JVR to Edmonton? Uh, for Patrick Maroon and who was the other piece? I said a second round pick. I think so, and I turned yeah. it down immediately. Yeah, so I, but, <laughs> but I wonder if the Leafs yeah. were maybe not that trade, but I wonder if they were kind of running through a lot of scenarios in their head because when you've got three guys on expiring deals and when you've got a lot of young pieces that arguably could play higher in the lineup uh, than they currently are today, um, you could have been kind of getting creative and. Uh, considering a lot of different uh, pieces ultimately um, the fact that they kept this team intact like this is a team that's beaten Tam- uh, Tampa Bay uh, Boston Nashville um, they've won what 13 of the last 15 games pretty good team right now and they, they are rolling so why would you mess with it yeah um, okay let's let's try to wrap up uh, with with some discussions about the remaining Canadian teams so we've talked about uh, Vancouver uh, we've talked about Toronto. We've talked about Ottawa. Let's talk about Calgary. They, the only move that they made was was acquiring Nick Shore from the Senators for a seventh round pick. So nothing that's going to move the needle in any way. Uh, do you consider this a disappointing period in the, in their season where they weren't able to uh, pull the trigger on anything meaningful? Well, they don't do anything. But St. Louis, who's one point back of Calgary. Um takes away Nat Stastny. So Calgary kind of wins in that scenario in the sense that St. Louis is less of a threat today than they were yesterday. Um, but yeah, you know what? John Gillies has won two games. I think if uh, since uh, he's been put in net, uh, you're going to get Mike Smith back. Until then, I think had Gillies not been winning games, maybe they would have looked at a Robin Lehner in net. Maybe they would have looked at a, a Niemi or an Antiranta as kind of a... Um, a backup plan but yeah I don't know what Calgary really needs to do like they're almost in a similar situation as like a New Jersey or Columbus where the best thing they're gonna do is basically be a wildcard team maybe they sneak in as a third seed in the Pacific and if you do that means you're playing San Jose and if you stay as a wildcard team you're gonna be facing either what Vegas or Nashville or Winnipeg so really the options of getting or the chances of getting past the first round or second round are pretty slim. So um, it doesn't surprise me that True Living decided just to kind of stay pat and say, you know what, maybe this team's good enough to make the playoffs, but beyond that, it'd be a stretch. The Oilers, uh, they, they they said bye to uh, to Patrick Maroon. Bye-bye. Uh, <laughs> bye-bye. Bye-bye, Patrick Maroon. Um, Latestu as well. Um, but otherwise, fairly quiet on, on their front. Um, I don't know if anyone... I, I, they also traded uh, Brandon Davidson. So, whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> I know, right? It's about a whole segment here. That was uh, a couple days ago, but 
I get. I kind of. I kind of like what they did in a sense where they're not blowing it up. I'm. That's gonna come in the summer, John. Yeah, and I think a lot of these deals are gonna come in the summer. You think so, or do you think that they wash their slate clean of this of this year and and try to they have to do something more? They can't just go into the season thinking maybe it's gonna be better. Like, don't they have to at least maybe get a a defenseman that can move the puck a little better, or get a winger for Connor, or are you just hoping that? Or are they hoping that Kaylor Yamamoto comes in? Yessi Poyarvi steps up. And like, you're going to get the same performance out of Strom. That was a horrible trade. Eh? Well, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> if they can use the cap space in a meaningful way, but the problem right. is the cap space is going to two guys who are going to eat up a lot of that for the next, what, five or six, seven years, right? So, so you got to be smart around around them. I don't know. What do you do this summer? Do you move Clefbaum? Do you move uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins? Um, do you keep doing that? Do you let Peter Shirelli really have control of this team? But they have to make some real it, – it sounds funny, but, like, because a year ago this team was, what, a goal away from – That's why That's time. why I say do you wipe the slate clean because everyone and their grandma coming into the season thought that they would go deep in the playoffs. Some people saying, oh, they're going to be a conference finalist or, oh, they're going to be a Stanley Cup finalist. And now everyone – like, it's sort of – not similar to Montreal, but in a way, there's something there where uh, that connects the two. Where I feel like one bad stretch shouldn't mean trade all your your great pieces because let's. Well, they weren't as bad as they. They're not as bad as they are this season. Right. They're not as good as they were two years ago. I think they're somewhere in, be- in the middle. That being said, I think they still need to make some change. And it's it's more than just getting rid of Brandon Davidson. <laughs> are you sure? No, yeah. you. I think you're on to something there. Um, do you have any other thoughts? I think we've run through uh, every team in, in Canada and uh, a lot of winners and losers. Yeah, just Montreal. Um, and that's another team I expect some things to happen this summer. The one thing I'm just wondering, like, how much in management influence what Montreal and Edmonton were able to do at the deadline? Like, it's one thing to be able to trade Thomas Buchanan if you're Mark Bergevin because that's a fairly easy, low-risk trade. Um, but was Jeff Molson allowing him to really kind of tinker, or more than just uh, tinker and trade a, a Pacioretty or a Galchenyuk, or based on the track record, was he saying, yeah, let's let, let's talk after the season to see if you're even the GM, if I want you making those kind of trades. Yeah, Because uh, that's the one thing I'm kind of worried about, or concerned about, is if Montreal is going to start making big sweeping changes again, are you letting the guy that traded P.K. Subban for Shea Weber and uh, Mikhail Sergachev for Jonathan Duran? Well, why is um, he still employed, though? Like, his job is to trade if, well, if, if they didn't like trade, the trade. You don't fire GM midseason. Yeah, okay. Um, that's the one thing. If you're going to make that change, you're going to do it right at the end of the season, uh, get a new guy in for the draft um, where all the heavy lifting is done. And I'm just kind of wondering, like, we know the, what the Rangers are doing. We know what kind of... St. Louis Blues are doing what the heck are the Montreal Canadiens doing? Because <laughs> good question. Carey Price gets a four million dollar raise starting next year, so there's less money to go around. And this is a team without a number one center, really without much defense aside from Shea Weber, who, as we're seeing now, um, has got the signs of a guy who's aging and getting older um, and more banged up as the as he goes along. And you expect Carey Price to have a rebound year. That being said, he can't do it all himself, no. and we've seen that time and time again. So Montreal needs to decide what they are, and you know this could be a real important summer uh, for their franchise. 
I mean, they've got to they've got to still be in win now mode. Should they not be? Because you have Weber. Really? Well, you have Weber and Price. What do you do? What do you you, you acquired Weber? True. For this reason, Based so it's it's contract, either yeah. it's either you go against the grain and and admit a mistake or or you continue on the path because both those guys are going to eat up so much of the cap while they're you know moving through their thirties. It's it's just going to get worse and worse. Yeah, that's the problem. Is you're almost kind of like where Toronto was, where you had Dion Phaneuf sign long term, and you're going, well, this team isn't going to be good enough yet. Why is he here? Why is Phil Kessel here? And like you said, Jay Weber, he's he's getting basically seven point eight until like I don't know, like the next five six years. Yeah, that's that's a problem. You're either gonna have to trade him and eat fifty percent of the salary, or um, you're never really gonna be able to go anywhere. When that trade happened, like you could argue all day about who you like better, Webb or Subban, but at the end of the day, one guy was older, one guy had a bigger contract, so I think you end up taking Subban just based on. The risk factor. He's got eight more years, John. I know. <laughs> like this isn't. I, I mean, I guess you can uh, rebuild because he's there for so long. Like you can rebuild while he's uh, still around. But I mean, you don't make that trade without thinking like and having Carey Price right behind him. Who, let's face it, Price. You know, a couple injuries. Um, goalies don't generally age well. I realize that he's probably an exception to the rule, but there's no way he's going to put up his his prime numbers from here on out. What do you got? You got Victor Mete, basically, who's your young up and coming guy, um, and not much else. Like their pick in last year's draft was Ryan Poling, who was 25th overall. So, what do you expected of a guy who's basically drafted in the bottom five of the first round? Um, they're going to need to get real lucky. In this year's draft, uh, whether it's getting a guy like Darlene or uh, a Kachuk or a Sveshnikov or a Zadina. Uh, and even then, that's just one piece. So, like I said, it, it's, a, it's a real philosophical question that the, the Canadians have to ask themselves because they're very similar to where Toronto was a number of years ago. And it took really kind of clearing house of management, coaches, and some real core players uh, for Toronto to kind of get back on track. And... That's probably what it's going to take from Montreal, and uh, the untradeables are going to have to get traded. Before I let you go, there's a, there was an interesting, I guess, two things at play today. One, there were a fair amount of non-rentals that were traded. So you think of uh, people who still have uh, time on their contract, term on their contract. Um, you know, my, Ryan McDonough, off the top of my head. Uh, there, there were there were a little group of them, and then. The other side plot or the other subplot was all these first rounders traded, which you don't normally see. I believe I saw a stat today saying it was the first time that more than one first rounder was traded in in like a good five years. And then there were six traded by the end of the day. So there's clearly a shift in terms of the currency of a first rounder. Yeah, and the only difference is first rounders, like there were some that went for rental players, but... Uh, first rounder for McDonough, who's got years remaining. A first rounder for Ryan Hartman, who's got years remaining. Um, did a first go for Thomas Tatar as well? Oh, uh, yeah. A first, years a second, remaining. and a third. Yeah. So, so I think that's the caveat. And maybe that's the thing. It's like teams never want to part with the first round pick, especially for a rental player, because anything can happen in the playoffs. You can go out in the first round. But if you got two kicks of the can or you got a player uh, who's an RFA, uh, who you've got under contract for a number of years... Then you know what? Maybe you can make that argument that 
you know what, this makes sense. From It's a hockey trade. I know you love that term there, John. <laughs> it's the worst. But maybe that, that, that's the whole that's, – that was the difference that we saw, I guess, this year, is that we actually saw um, less kind of rental trades and first-rounders uh, being traded for guys that are going to help you for more than just this year. Yeah, maybe the, maybe the two are connected. I think you're onto something with that, with the non-rentals mixed with the first-rounders. Also, apparently this draft is, is top-heavy. There's a good, you know, very, you know, the high-end guys are very high-end, but then it drops off after six or seven, and by the end of the first round, you might as well be in the second round. So that probably plays into it because a lot of the, the first-rounders that were traded are going to be uh, in the 20s and possibly 30-31. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I don't know. I haven't looked too hard at the draft. I just know that there's a uh, th- there's a number of websites that have really kind of put value on the what a first round pick is actually worth, uh, what a second round pick is actually worth, and um, this kind of adds a little wrinkle to it where you're saying, okay, it's worth this player, but only if he's got X amount of term left on his contract as well. So it's an interesting thing to see um, if it becomes a trend not only in the summer, but at next year's deadline, if teams are kind of approaching it this way, saying um, the rentals are only worth maybe a second or third, and um, if he doesn't have term, don't even bother trying to ask for a first. And then we're going to throw Seattle in the mix as a 32nd team. And we're going to have the first round will basically be like getting right into the second round. If if you're picking 32nd, you might as well be, you know, you're, you're... you're getting right into the second round there. <laughs> yeah, the 32nd overall pick. Yeah, you doesn't do sound very sexy. A eh? 32nd overall. No, it doesn't. All right, Mike. Uh, you've spent way too much time with me today. We're we're at a good the 12 minute, 12 hour mark. You're rubbing your eyes. I think we both need to get out of here because we've just been talking uh, too much. We've been writing too much. We've been on camera too much. Yeah. See if it all works out. Let's see if uh, if Tampa Bay can actually do something with this I, I'm, I'm curious to see because yeah typically this, the Kevin Chapman Kirks of the world don't actually end up helping their team it's the Ron Hainsies that uh, end up becoming the, the difference makers in past deadline deals who's your uh, who's your Stanley Cup prediction like the two teams that will be in it after this deadline I don't know if it's changed or if it stayed the same but I'm going to Tampa I'm going to Winnipeg let's do it okay signing off all right <laughs>